Support for the Cherry Picking Podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. <laughs> hey, fellas, for this holiday season, tell your partner to get you Manscaped. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. Manscaped has also Manscaped also has a crop preserver, which is an anti-itch chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on your smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls and your partner will thank you. <laughs> Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com if you use the code BIGHEADS. And I think this will be the perfect gift for you or your partner this holiday season. And I think everyone will have a very Merry Christmas and Jolly Balls. Hey everybody, this is your host Andre Cherry and you are listening to the Cherry Pickin' Podcast which is presented by the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned in to the Cherry Pickin' Podcast with your host Andre Cherry. Hey guys, thank you for downloading another episode of the Cherry Picking Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Cherry, and I'm so grateful that we have reached week 15 and you guys have come along on this journey with me all season long. The season flew by and I'm a little depressed about that. I'm a little sad that the season is now essentially over. This weekend, we have the conference final or the conference championship games to be played over the weekend and that will lead us right into the college bowl season, which is a fun, exciting time of the year, college football on almost every day. But I want to just recap week 14 action for you guys. I was gone for a week. Um, We had Thanksgiving, uh, a lovely Thanksgiving holiday. I was up in Minnesota with my partner's family. A great time. Minnesota is very beautiful, very relaxing compared to the East Coast hustle. And we had a great time. I was missing not doing a podcast for you guys last week. I really enjoyed doing this, and I appreciate you guys listening to the show. I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving holiday as well. It's a, always a great time to get with family and friends and just chill out and just watch some football on TV, just relax, spend it with family, and it was uh, it was an awesome time. And I'm excited to get into this podcast with you right now. So uh, here we go. So... I did do my week 14 Power 5 locks, uh, even though I didn't have a podcast. And my locks through week 14 action in the ACC, I had Wake Forest over Syracuse. And unfortunately, Wake Forest blew the game to Syracuse. They lost in overtime by a score of 39-30. to In this game, Wake Forest committed five turnovers in that game. So anytime you're turning the ball over or you have uh, multiple penalties... You are equalizing the competition. Wake Forest should have handled Syracuse. They should have 
They should have beat the brakes off of the Syracuse Orange Man. But they lost 39 to 30. Those five turnovers proved to be too much to overcome for Wake Forest. And Syracuse gets a nice victory over a pretty solid team out of the ACC Atlantic this year in Wake Forest. So that was a loss for me in the ACC. If we look at the Big Ten, I had Illinois over Northwestern. Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern. And I thought this would be a easy win for Illinois. I mean, it's a rivalry game in the state of Illinois. Illinois and Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern has had such a... A rough season after winning the Big Ten West in 2018 they are essentially I think the worst team out of the West this year and so they had such a, a tough tough go at it this season but Illinois looked to be greatly improved this season I mean they had a, a, a little bit of a slow start to the season their loss to Eastern Michigan had a lot of folks doubting whether or not they would actually make a bowl this year a lot of folks doubted whether or not Lovey Smith was actually the guy for Illinois, and they rattled off some very impressive wins. I'm thinking of Wisconsin as a, a big win for them this season. Michigan State was another solid victory on the road. And what do you know? Illinois is bowl eligible. They went six and six this season, and so they're going to a bowl game. And I think that's the ultimate goal for this season. There were some games that they should have won, including this one against Northwestern, and including Eastern Michigan, including Nebraska, you could even say. But the ultimate goal for this season was to become bowl eligible, which they did do. Next season is where you need to build. You need to build on the momentum from getting a bowl berth this season, and you need to finish out these games. You need to beat teams like Eastern Michigan. You need to beat teams like Nebraska. You need to beat Northwestern next season. Had Lovey Smith and the Illinois Fighting Illini taken care of the business this year and won those games? Lovey Smith would be looking at the Big Ten Coach of the Year. But they they didn't take care of business, but they did become bowl eligible. And I think that's the big picture for this season. Next season, you build. You build upon that, you grow, and you you try to win those games. But if we look at this game against Illinois Northwestern, Illinois lost to Northwestern 29-10. Northwestern outrushed Illinois 378 yards to 14. That's ridiculous. That is crazy that the defense gave up that many yards to Northwestern. 378 yards rushing? Good God, man. Northwestern back Coco Azima rushed for 123 yards on seven carries with one touchdown. Andrew Marty rushed for 111 yards on 30 carries with two touchdowns. So the Northwestern backfield really got after it in this game against Illinois. The defense apparently didn't show up at all. The offense wasn't there either. I know... There's some injury issues at quarterback for Illinois this weekend, but they get embarrassed by the in-state rival Northwestern. Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern. And Northwestern's defense played very well in this game. They had three sacks and eight tackle for losses against Illinois. And the time of possession in this game was a huge mismatch. I think I think I saw that Northwestern had the ball for like 41 minutes. Illinois had it for like 14 minutes or something like that. Like, it was crazy. Uh, so... Great win for Northwestern. They end the season with the win. They aren't going bowling this year, but Illinois is, so it's it's been great. And again, like I said, the big picture is Illinois is going bowling, and I know folks are disappointed in the effort in this game and the effort in some of the games from earlier this season, but they're going bowling, and you haven't done that since, what, 2014? So take your wins where you can get them. That's all I say. 
So those were my two losses out of my Power 5 picks for this week, Week 14 action. If we look at the victories for the Big 12, I had Baylor over Kansas. Baylor beat the brakes off of Kansas by a score of 61-6. to Baylor is now 11-1 with the victory. This is only the third time in program history that Baylor has eclipsed the 11-win mark. So this is great for Matt Rule. He really infused a new culture into Baylor. And Matt Rule is looking like one of the hottest coaches in college football right now. I know his name floated around last season, at the end of last season, uh, for some NFL head coaching opportunities. He definitely will get some calls this this season, once the season's ended, to possibly go into the NFL as a head coach. But he has done a tremendous job at Baylor. Great 11-1 record for, for the Baylor Bears program. I mean, they're in the Big 12 championship game this weekend against Oklahoma. They have an opportunity this weekend to seek revenge over Oklahoma for their embarrassing 34-31 to 31 loss to the Sooners a few weeks ago. And I say it's an embarrassing loss because the Baylor Bears are beating the brakes off of Oklahoma. And the defense caved and allowed the Sooners to get back into it. And they ended up losing 34-31. So Baylor, great victory over Kansas. Great season. And I'm excited to see what will happen this weekend in the Big 12 championship game. Then in the Pac-12, we have Utah over Colorado. I got the victory there. Utah blew the brakes off of Colorado by a score of 45-15. to it was a little bit of a slow start for the Utes, who were playing from behind after the first quarter. The Utes went on to score 17 points in the second quarter and then 28 points in the second half. And so this really wasn't even a contest at all. Utah is looking really good. They're in prime position to make the college football playoffs after their upcoming matchup with Oregon this weekend in the Pac-12 championship game. So Utah did everything it needed to do this season after losing to USC early in the season. It took an early L, but they took care of business after that. They won games that they needed to win, and now they're in prime position to make it into the playoffs, potentially. And then in the SEC, I had Mississippi State over Ole Miss. Mississippi State got lucky in this game, and the only thing I really truly remember is that Ole Miss receiver Elijah Moore blew the game for his team after being penalized for crawling and pretending to urinate like a dog after scoring a touchdown. So they got pushed back on the extra kick uh, due to the penalty, and kicker Luke Logan missed the 35-yard extra point, which allowed Mississippi State to escape with a 21-20 victory on Thanksgiving night in the 116th Egg Bowl. So that is rough for Ole Miss. They had the game won, essentially, and Elijah Moore blew it for his team, and then Luke Logan missed the kick afterwards. So that's uh, that's a tough go for Ole Miss. The Egg Bowl is always a fun game to watch on Thanksgiving. It's the only college football game on Thanksgiving. It's a cool Thanksgiving tradition. The only thing I remember is just seeing the highlights from that game where Elijah Moore was acting like he was a dog. That's the only highlights I saw that entire game. And he eventually blew it for his team. So that's that sucks. Well, there we go. There we have it. Those were my Power 5 locks for Week 14 action. I went 3-2 and two this week. Overall, my record is 54-16, and 16, which puts me at 77% accuracy when making these Power 5 locks each week. And then after the break, I want to get into my Week 15 locks, talk about these games that you should be watching this weekend in Championship Weekend. It's the end of the season. I am so sad. 
that football is just about over. But it should be a fun weekend. This should be one of the best weekends because these are the top teams from each of the top conferences playing in championship weekend. So I'm looking forward to that. And after the break, we'll get into it. So don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Want to know what life is really like after the game is all over? Real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on After Orange Slices. Even if you don't like sports, pro athletes, former college stars, celebrities, coaches, public speakers, doctors, and all kinds of experts join the show. And there's a little bit of something for everybody. Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration, plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Everybody, welcome back to the show. Now we're going to get into the portion of the podcast where I talk about my week 15 locks within the Power 5 conferences, and we'll just dive right in. In the ACC, I'm taking Clemson over Virginia. Clemson this season scored the fourth most points per game this season, 45.2 points per game, while limiting its opponents to only 10.1 points per game, which was the best in all of FBS. And that's just looking at the numbers. I know... Looking at Clemson this season, they didn't look as dominant. They didn't look as um, – they haven't looked like the Clemson we've seen in the past where they've just been blowing teams out. They've been playing at a high level. Many times this season we've seen Trevor Lawrence not look his best. Travis Etienne hasn't been the superstar every week that we've come to know and expect from him. But the most important thing is that Clemson won. They won on their schedule. It wasn't a very tough schedule this season. The ACC was down, but Clemson did everything it needed to do to remain in position for the college football playoffs. If they beat Virginia this weekend, they will be in the playoffs, and I expect Clemson will have a much improved effort in the playoffs when it truly matters, you know? And so Clemson did what it needed to do on its schedule, and now they are in the ACC championship game where I think they will beat Virginia and Virginia has had a, a good season. I mean, they by some folks' prediction, you know, they had Virginia in the championship game this season. I I believe I had Miami number one, and then Virginia was either two or three on my list. But regardless, Virginia had a great season, and they will face Clemson in the ACC championship game, where I expect Clemson to take care of business, and they will beat Virginia, and they will be in the playoffs this season. Clemson was one of my predicted teams to go to the playoffs this year, so I need to ride with them. I'm going to ride with them, and they'll, they'll be in the playoffs this year after beating Virginia this weekend. Then in the Big Ten, I'm taking Ohio State over Wisconsin. Ohio State has looked really dominant. They've looked really balanced this season. Ohio State scores the most points per game out of all FBS teams at about 50 points per game, and I rounded that number up from 49.9 points But you understand what I'm saying. They score a lot of points. And they also limit their opponents to only 11.8 points per game, which is best for fourth in all of FBS. So like I said earlier, Ohio State is very balanced. They've looked really well this year. Uh, J.K. Dobbins has been a beast for the Buckeyes. Justin Fields has also looked really great for Ohio State. He's a transfer from Georgia. But they're going to have their work cut out for them this weekend against Wisconsin, who has run the ball extremely well this season. Junior running back Jonathan Taylor, you've heard his name a lot this season. He led the conference in rush attempts at 279 and totally rushing yards at 1,761 
and total touchdowns at 25. So Jonathan Taylor probably earned himself a spot at the Heisman ceremonies this uh, in a few weeks from now. But uh, they're going to have their work cut out for them, Ohio State will, against Wisconsin. I think Ohio State will still get the victory over the Badgers, but I think it's going to be a tough matchup. Points per game, there's a mismatch there in Ohio State's favor. Wisconsin scores about 35.8 points per game. Points allowed per game, 11.8 from Ohio State. Wisconsin only allows 14.6. Total yards, 534 total yards Ohio State puts up compared to 442 yards from Wisconsin. Um, The biggest thing that I want to call out, though, is that yards rushing still give the edge to Ohio State. They rush about 280 yards per game. Wisconsin rushes about 243.9 yards per game. But they're going to have to really key in on Jonathan Taylor. I think if Ohio State can limit his production, I think Ohio State will win this game. I don't think it'll be a, a blowout, but I think Ohio State, I'd give them the edge because they know really what they're playing for at this point. It's to get into the playoffs, to be the number one seed in the playoffs. And I think they just need to win this game. And I think if they can do that, they will be in prime position. They look like one of the best teams this season. So now they have to prove it. Wisconsin will be a legitimate test for them this championship Saturday. And so I'm excited to see how this plays out. So I'm taking Ohio State over Wisconsin. In the Big 12, I'm taking Oklahoma over Baylor. This is another team that I predicted would make it to the college football playoffs at the beginning of the season. And so while I'm really high on Baylor, I've been high on this team all season, I have to ride with my dog, and that's the Sooners. I think they will take care of business against Baylor, and I think they will potentially end up in the playoffs. It's going to be pretty tricky to see how it really shakes out because there's some teams uh, such as Utah who are in position to potentially go to the playoffs as well. So Oklahoma definitely needs to win this weekend against Baylor in the Big 12 championship game. Just some quick notes here. Oklahoma, they score the fifth most points in FBS this season with 44.3 points per game. Jalen Hurts was a transfer quarterback from Alabama. He has played very well this season. He has uh, looked Kyler Murray-esque. I think he's probably put up better numbers than Kyler Murray this year. I I don't have that in front of me, but I think he has played very well this season. And he has been a great leader for the Sooners. And he's gotten them into the Big 12 championship game yet again. Uh, The Sooners have been there these past several seasons. And this year is no different. Jalen Hurts has been the man for the Sooners. And if they can win this weekend against Baylor, they most likely will be in the playoffs some way or somehow they they will be there if they can beat Baylor. And so Jalen Hurts is someone to look out for in this game this weekend. Jalen Hurts has thrown for over 3,300 yards. He has 31 touchdowns, only six interceptions. So he's been really, really great for the Sooners. And then uh, Jalen Hurts is also uh, somebody you have to watch out for in the rushing game as well. He's rushed for over 1,200 rushing yards and 18 touchdowns on the ground. So this young man is just balling out. D. Mims is a receiver you have to pay attention to for Baylor. He has almost 1,000 yards receiving. He has 11 touchdowns. And then C.D. Lamb for Oklahoma is another player you'll have to watch out for this weekend. On the season, C.D. Lamb has over 1,000 yards receiving with 14 touchdowns. So this game is going to be a really great game. If the defenses show up, which I'm really curious to see if if that'll be the case for either of these teams, then, um, you know, 
we'll see who can outlast the other offense and win this game. I'm giving the edge to Oklahoma, but I think it will be a great game nonetheless. Then in the Pac-12, my other dog that I had this season was Utah. I predicted them in the preseason that they would make it to the college football playoffs. They have taken care of business this season after losing to USC earlier in the season, and they have a prime matchup here with Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. I'm taking the Utes over the Ducks, and this is a pretty evenly matched game here. Points per game, they both score 35 points per game. The Utes only allow opponents to score 11.3 points per game. Oregon's defense has been very good as well. They only allow teams to score 15.8 points per game. Uh, total yardage is about the same as well. 453 yards for for the Utes, 452 yards for Oregon. Uh, yards allowed, 241.6 yards are allowed by the Utah Utes defense. Uh, the the Oregon Ducks only allow its opponents to rack up 331 yards per game. So I would probably give the edge to the Utes in terms of defense. Offensively, they're pretty much even. So I'm really curious to see from an offensive standpoint who will step up. Will it be Utah or Oregon? Will C.J. Verdell have a big game this season? He's knocking on the door of a 1,000-yard rushing season. He's got 963 rush yards. Or will Zach Moss have another great game? He has had a great season. He's rushed for over 1,200 rushing yards with 15 touchdowns. So I'm really curious to see who will step up for these offenses. Will Justin Herbert rebound after a dismal performance a few weeks ago? There's a lot of questions that I need answers to, and I'm I'm really excited for this game because I think Utah could be knocking on the door of a college football playoff berth this season. They just need to take care of business against Oregon and potentially get some help from some other teams this weekend as well. But I'm excited for this Pac-12 championship game. This should be a good one. I'm taking Utah over Oregon. And in the SEC, LSU over Georgia. This is another team that I had predicted in the preseason would make it to the college football playoffs. Some folks on Twitter thought I was crazy for having that prediction. They couldn't see it with their own eyes. They they just couldn't see that LSU would make it through the SEC. They had a pretty tough schedule this year. But I had faith in the Tigers that they would do it. And they were a team that I predicted from the get-go that they would be in the SEC championship game and that they would end up in the playoffs. And so I'm very proud to say that this is another team that I think will make it to the playoffs this year. They've had a great season. They've looked really well offensively and defensively. And I'm I'm hoping for a victory this weekend, LSU over Georgia. Georgia has looked well this, this season as well. But I think LSU is the hot team right now. And so Joe Burrow, he most likely probably has won the Heisman Trophy. A lot of folks think that he has played Heisman-esque this season. And he deserves it. And if they win this weekend over Georgia, I think he has earned it. And I think he will go home with the Heisman Trophy. So I'm taking LSU over Georgia. This should be a fun game. Jake Fromm is a a player you need to watch out for for the Georgia Bulldogs. Their quarterback, he has thrown for over 2,300 yards, 21 touchdowns, only three interceptions. So he's played very well. Joe Burrow, as I mentioned, He's played very well this season. He's thrown for over 4,300 yards with 44 touchdowns and only six interceptions. God damn. That's God damn. G-O-T damn. He's balled out this year. And 
this is going to be an epic matchup between two great teams from the SEC. What can DeAndre Swift do for the Bulldogs? He's rushed for over 1,200 yards this season with seven touchdowns. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he has played very well this season. He's rushed for over 1,200 yards with 16 touchdowns. So this is going to be a great game. I'm I'm going to be so excited to watch this one from start to finish. And I'm really rooting for the Dogs to lose. <laughs> LSU Tigers over the Georgia Bulldogs this weekend. LSU puts up 48 points per game. Georgia puts up 32 points per game. Total yardage, LSU is putting up 560 total yards per game. Georgia, 420 yards per game. Yards allowed, Georgia has played very well on defense. They've only allowed opponents to rack up 257 yards per game. By comparison, LSU is allowing offenses to rack up 345.9 yards per game. So I give the edge to the Georgia Bulldogs in that regard. But overall, a balanced team, I give that edge to LSU. They're they're probably the most balanced team in this matchup this weekend, and I'm excited for it. So those are my locks for this weekend, Week 15 action, Championship Saturday. And so I'll write it down for you one more time. In the ACC, Clemson over Virginia. In the Big Ten, Ohio State over Wisconsin. In the Big 12, Oklahoma over Baylor. In the Pac-12, Utah over Oregon. And in the SEC, LSU over Georgia. Now, real quick, I want to recap some of the games from Week 14 action. And I'm going to dive right in here. We had Virginia beating Virginia Tech by a score of 39-30. to And with the victory, Virginia ended a 15-game losing streak to the 23rd-ranked Hokies and earned its first trip to the ACC Championship game, which will be played this Saturday. So a great victory for Virginia. That kind of sucks for Bud Foster and Virginia Tech for missing out on the championship game this year. They'll still play in the bowl game, though, which will be their 27th consecutive bowl game, which is the longest streak in the country. So Virginia Tech with an 8-4 and record, that's still very solid. You miss out on the championship game, which sucks and stings, but hats off to Virginia. That's a great victory, and ending a 15-game losing streak is very impressive. Hats off to the Cavaliers. Then in the ACC, uh, NC State versus UNC. UNC got the victory 41-10 to over my beloved NC State Wolfpack. UNC went 6-6 six and six and became bowl eligible. And this was after a season where they went 2-9 and nine in 2018 under previous head coach Larry Fedora. So Mac Brown was dancing in the stadium locker room this uh, Saturday. He loves to dance, apparently, because he's been doing that a few times this season, approximately six times this season. So hats off to the Tar Heels. I honestly thought that that was a hire that, that didn't make sense to me earlier in the season, uh, in the preseason. But... Mac Brown has gone bowling this season. They will be going bowling, and that's ultimately what you want to do, right? You know, you want to go to a bowl game, and they're going to be they're going to be doing that this postseason. So that's off. NC State. It was a little bit of a rough go for the Wolfpack this season. They went nine and four the previous two seasons, but only finished four and eight overall, and one and seven in the Atlantic this year. So that earned them the worst spot in the ACC Atlantic this season at number six. I asked my dad about what happened to NC State, and he said, and I quote, terrible season, a lot of injuries. We had 45 different players to start this year. I think Dave Doran is safe, end quote. So my dad, he's an NC State alum. If he's not worried, I'm not worried. 
But I'm really excited to see what NC State can do next season. They had a lot of underclassmen, and they should be one of the teams that are pushing for the second or third spot in the Atlantic this season, or next season, rather. So we'll see uh, We'll see what a year can do, um, and I'm excited for next season. Then in the Big Ten, we had Michigan versus Ohio State. I really don't want to waste any time with this because Michigan got blown out 56-27 to to Ohio State. Michigan was a pretender team this season. A lot of people were fooled by Michigan, thinking that they would win the Big Ten East this year. But Michigan is a team where I need to wait and see it. They need to wait and prove. They need to prove it to me before I go out on a limb and stake my claim that Michigan is going to win the Big Ten. There were a lot of uh, missed opportunities for Michigan, and a lot of folks are wondering what Jim Harbaugh is going to do. My question is why? Like, why are you going to ask that question? Because honestly, is there any legit rumor of him leaving? Like, is he really going to go? to the NFL? Is he going to get fired from Michigan? I just, I don't think that that is the case. And I think people just like to bring it up every season, but you know, I say pack it in, you know, go to your bowl game, go to the Outback Bowl or wherever they're going to go this season and then see what happens next year. I mean, that's all you can do. And I want Jim Harbaugh to be successful. I want him to beat Ohio state, but he just hasn't done it yet. And I, I don't want him to get discouraged. You know, I don't want him to think that because he's winless against Ohio State that, you know, he is marked as a loser. Michigan has had some success, but it just hasn't been the type of success that I, we grew up with, or at least that I grew up with as a kid. Where Michigan was a dominant program in, in the Big Ten, that they would be pushing Ohio State, that this game actually mattered. Michigan State, I think the tracker or the ticker is over 2,000 900 days or something since the last time Michigan won in this rivalry. So it's not really, it doesn't really feel like a rivalry game when Michigan can't win against Ohio state for however many years it's been. It's not fun, but I think Jim Harbaugh is the right guy for that job. And if he wants to stay there, if he truly is going to leave, which I, I I don't know if that's true or not. I think he should think long and hard about it because I think he can he can do it there at Michigan. I think he's the right guy, but I just I'm waiting to see when it will happen. And it's just been frustrating if you're a Michigan fan. I'm sure I'm not even a Michigan fan, but I'm, I'm sure if you are, it's frustrating. So that's my opinion, my take on that. The next game out of the Big Ten was a playoff game, so to speak, between Wisconsin and Minnesota. So PJ Fleck has got his boys rowing that boat. <laughs> And Wisconsin did what it needed to do, and they got the victory 38-17. to Minnesota, by all accounts, had a great season. I mean, they won 10 games, which is nothing to sneeze at. Winning 10 games is very solid. But the division title was within reach. The Gophers went 1-2 and two during its last three games of the season, which was arguably the toughest stretch of its schedule, on its schedule. And they weren't able to get the job done. And I think this just goes back to the fact that when the Gophers upset Penn State, they were rushing the field. And the reason why I have strong opinions about this, like they shouldn't have rushed the field. Because to me, if you're a team that demands to get respect, uh, that demands the nation's attention, you don't win a game against Penn State and then have your fans rush the field. Sure, it's a great moment and it felt good, I'm sure. But 
you need to act like you've been there before. You need to act like you are a program that expected to win. And the fact that they rushed the field makes me believe that the Minnesota fans truly didn't think that this team would do it, that they weren't truly invested or fully believers in the fact that Minnesota would win the Big Ten West. And I think that would have been the most perfect ending to this season because they've been rowing the boat. So PJ Fleck has got his boys rowing that boat. <laughs> but the boat sunk these in this stretch where they went one and two. And unfortunately, they, they were they were at home in this game against Wisconsin. Like they should have capitalized on this moment. College game day was out there. It's just I feel like Minnesota was just happy to be there, but they weren't expecting to to win. And that's just that's just how I feel when I when I think about Minnesota in 2019. They had a very great season. Their schedule was really favorable. Next season will be tougher. You know, it's going to be a tough go. I don't think they're going to win 10 games next season. That's my early prediction. But they had the opportunity within reach, and they couldn't get it done. It would have been a great ending. It would have been great to see Minnesota in the Big Ten Championship game for the first time ever. And unfortunately, Wisconsin gets that nod. They... Wisconsin is one of the better teams out of the West consistently, and they did what they needed to do. That's the case there. I mean, Wisconsin gets the victory over Minnesota 38-17, to but I'm just a little disappointed in how Minnesota finished. But uh, we'll see what they can do next season. Then we had Alabama versus Auburn in the SEC. This is a big matchup, the Iron Bowl. Every year, it's it's a fun matchup. Auburn gets the victory 48-45. to And this was crazy because Alabama, with the loss, dropped out of the top five in the AP poll for the first time in four years. To be exact, Bama dropped to number nine in the AP poll this week, which snapped its record streak of 68 appearances in the top five. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. The loss against Auburn this past weekend marked the Crimson's tied second regular season loss, which was the first time since 2010 that they've lost two games in the regular season. So, not the not the season Alabama expected or wanted, I'm sure, but it will be really interesting to see how they regroup and move forward next season. Tua Tagovailoa, their stud quarterback, he's a junior, he can go to the draft. I hope he goes to the draft. You know, will he come back next season? Will the Crimson Tide try to come back and be one of the top teams again? in 2020 and potentially go to the playoffs again. I'm sure they will be highly favored to do so next season, but it's just uh, not the ending that anyone expected. Hats off to Nick Saban for the run that he had. That's not an easy feat to do. And his team consistently played at a high level each week. And they were always, always a favorite to win the college football playoffs. And this season was no different. I mean, they were up there this season and, Suffered some unfortunate injuries to its starting quarterback two times this season. And then this loss against Auburn pretty much eliminated them from the discussion for the college football playoffs this year. But it will be good to see some parity, some, you know, some new teams in there. And I'm excited for that. But, you know, it's never it's never fun seeing a, a top team lose the way that they did. And they only lost two games. You know, this team would beat a lot of teams on most Saturdays, but the fact that they lost two games a season, they play in one of the toughest conferences in college football, the toughest conference. Uh, they had a tough schedule. You know, it just, that's just how it, the cookie crumbled this season, but Bama will be back next year. I'm sure. So there we have it. That was my recap for week 14 action real quick before I get out of here. 
want to talk about some college football news and Greg Schiano, he got hired at Rutgers. I think that's a great hire. He comes back to a program that he's had a lot of success at. Rutgers hasn't been as successful since Greg Schiano was there several, several years ago. So that's a great fit. I'm glad it worked out because I heard there were some uh, issues with negotiations, but they got everything figured out. The ink has dried on that contract and Greg Schiano is back for Rutgers. I think that's a huge hire for that program, and we'll see what he can do to uh, restore the roar at Rutgers. Clay Helton, there are some rumors that he possibly is going to be fired at USC. At the time that I'm recording this episode, nothing has become official yet. I think that's a crazy. I mean, he went 8-4 and four this season. He had injuries this whole entire season, but they still went 8-4. and four. They finished second in the Pac-12 South this season. So uh, I, uh, I'm i not sure if I like that decision or agree with it, but if he gets fired, I'm sure Urban Meyer will be a name that many folks will want uh, to have as a, a potential candidate for that job. He probably would get the job. I still believe that he wants to go to Notre Dame someday, but you know, if, if Clay Hilton gets fired, he's going to be a top candidate for that job, and it would be an interesting fit, no doubt. Missouri's head coach also got fired this past weekend. Barry Odom, he was fired after, I believe, four seasons on the job at Missouri. Missouri had a great start to the season. They they had won several games at the start of the season. They were sitting in the top of the SEC East standings, and then they lost like six straight games. So definitely not the finish you want to have if you're a Missouri Tiger fan or a Missouri Tiger player. But ultimately, it got him fired. And so that's that's a rough, that's a rough go. Charlie Strong got fired at USF. I'm, I'm hearing rumors that Willie Taggart could be a possible uh, head coach candidate. Uh, he was previously the head coach at USF. He had great success there at UCF for at least one season. I think they won 11 games when he was there at one point. So he could be a potential fit for USF. We'll see. Boston College fired Steve Adazio this past weekend, and Ole Miss fired head coach Matt Luke, who I believe went four and eight this season. So there's going to be a lot of openings, a lot of openings I just mentioned. There's going to be probably a few more openings before the season is, is complete here, but it's going to be interesting to see the head coaching carousel this off season. And I just wanted to call it out. I mean, that, those are some, some pretty big hires and, and pretty big fires potentially. Um, and we'll see how we'll shake out in the postseason. Before I got here, I'm going to look at my playoff tracker, LSU, Number one, LSU, they beat Texas A&M 50-7 this past weekend. They faced Georgia in the SEC Championship game. Let's go LSU. Go Tigers. And then I have number three, Clemson. They beat South Carolina 38-3 this past weekend. They faced Virginia in the ACC Championship game. Go Tigers. And then we have number five, Utah. They beat Colorado 48-15 this past weekend. They moved up one spot in the AP poll this week. They faced Oregon in the Pac-12 Championship game. Go Utes. And then we have number six, Oklahoma. They beat Oklahoma State 34-16. to They moved up one spot in the AP poll for this week. And they faced Baylor in the championship game this weekend. Go Sooners. So that's my playoff tracker. I'm looking pretty good. I think I'll probably get at least three teams in uh, to the college football playoffs. So I'm excited for that. You know, first time ever doing a playoff tracker. And the teams that I have in my tracker are in good shape to make it to the playoffs. So I'm pumped. I'm, I'm excited that that actually worked out the way that I predicted. 
And I'm excited for this weekend, week 15 action, Championship Saturday. This is it, folks. This is a big weekend, and this will determine who will go to the playoffs. Whoever wins this weekend from those teams that I mentioned will probably have a good shot at the playoffs. So I'm excited for Week 15 action. I hope you guys are too. Thank you for listening to my podcast. As always, I appreciate the support, the follows, the downloads. You guys have been great, and I can't wait to talk to you next week. So hope you guys have a great weekend. Hope you have a great week, and uh, I can't wait to talk to you guys again soon. Have a good one, guys. Take care. Joe Burrow, as I mentioned, he's played very well this season. He's thrown for over 4,300 yards with 44 touchdowns and only six interceptions. God damn. That's God damn. G-O-T damn. Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com and if you are looking to interact with me via social media my twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin that's p-i-c-k-i-n on my twitter you'll also find a link to my blog where i post my weekly college football predictions and analysis i can also be reached via email at cherrypickingsports at gmail.com please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.